From Glitch HQ on Riverside Avenue in exhausted multiplicative Minneapolis, this is Nice Games Club, the show where nice game devs talk gaming and game development. I'm Martha McGarry, and I make nice games. I'm Stephen McGregor, and I make nice games. And I'm Martha Croy, I too make nice games. For this roundtable episode, our topics are GlitchCon 2017 debriefing, we're gonna hear Steven's primer on game design, and we're gonna talk about multi tasking. And so, if everyone is ready, let's start. Did that bit work, guys? Yeah. Yeah, I think that was good. <laughs> Just humoring me. I, I thought it was clever. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's so good to be back here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's fun doing the live show. Yeah. So but. for our listeners, because they won't hear this episode for a little while. Oh yeah. Um, but Calendar we, math. We're, yeah, I know. <laughs> we're just a couple days out from uh, recording our live show at GlitchCon 2017, which was a blast. Oh yeah, good right? times. It was so cool. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it when in the first topic. That's right. Uh, housekeeping before we get into the topics uh, we're trying to be a little active on reddit so a lot there's a yes. huge game dev community on reddit uh the the r slash uh, game dev mm-hmm. and uh, we've started to post our show notes uh in uh in that subreddit yeah and we've got some pretty good response it's also helped us grow our listenership and so what we want to do is we want to ourselves be a little more active there as well and we want you the listeners though either you came to us through reddit or you found or you've been with us all along um we want you to go to uh r slash game dev find our threads and that's where you can talk about our episodes. Yeah. Um, rather than build our own sort of forum system or whatever, we figure let's go there because it, it's sort of built already and there's other people to talk with. Um, and we, it's a way to get feedback because we, we're trying to find the best way to get feedback. Yes. Steven, you beg everybody every week. Yeah, I did it at the live from. show. Not enough yet. <laughs> Working on it. And, and maybe that's just a process of us finding the right way yeah, to hear from you. And sure. what makes it, what's easy for you? How, uh, how easy it is and for you to be in touch? Reddit is the way to do that. We're going to so, give it a shot. So. Yeah, yeah. And also, it'd be cool to just be able to communicate between one another, you know, build up our own community. Yeah, for sure. Because I think it's probably easier for people to have a conversation than it is to engage an official feedback set. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, maybe we're being to, to demanding of people. The truth is people want to share their own uh, knowledge and, and opinions. And mm-hmm. uh, let's give them at least some context for that if they are inspired by something we talk about. Yeah. Yes. So GlitchCon. Uh-huh. I think it happened recently, right? Oh, man. I'm exhausted. Yeah. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it was a really good time. Mm-hmm. Um, should we talk about what should we talk about first? Some of the sessions. Or like, how did our sessions choice. go? Oh yes, yeah. Um, you're gonna hear about a bit about my session um, in the next topic because I'm gonna give you all a primer on it. But uh, my session went really well. It was really popular. It was earlier. It was the first one of this first of the sessions. So. It was kind of interesting, but it was right, it still set a standard by which we all failed to live up to yeah, the, rest yeah. of, the rest of the speakers. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I sort of, maybe kind of. Uh, <laughs> no, no. Um, it just, I don't, I'm not, I think people started tapering out later on in the day, but uh, it just, it was, there was a ton of people and they all seemed to learn a lot. Um, I, for those not who weren't at GlitchCon and who don't know, I did the game design workshop uh, and it was basically just an excuse for people to make paper prototypes for an hour. Uh, <laughs> and they use that excuse well. They um, a lot of lot of awesome pr- uh, paper prototypes that were made. Yeah, it was it was really cool. It was really cool. Uh, I was really impressed. Yeah, we were uh, Martha and I were both there. I was helping you out, and and Martha, you had family there, so you you participated. Yeah, it was fun. Me and my mom and uh, and my friend Felix or our friend Felix, I guess. Yes. Hi, Felix. <laughs> um, <laughs> and who else was in our group? Your boyfriend was. Oh, Dylan, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He's just always there. Um, Yeah, and Dylan. And we made this 
awesome. Should I talk about this now or in your segment? um, We can go for it. Let's talk about it now. Okay. Um, Yeah. So we made up a game about um, the fear of death and it was like a chess game, but chess-esque game where you had a a board, like like a chess board um, and you're trying to uh, beat death at chess. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one player played death and the other player played a person and um, death made a bet on which things on the board you could collect and the person had to guess which things were important and also get to the end of the board. Uh, and then a combination of that would get points. Um, and it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Felix would tell me that he kind of wanted to start or continue on with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is, I would be totally down. Yeah. yeah. I think the most amazing thing about the Game Design Workshop is that Martha, you, someone who on this show has reported your dislike for, right? paper, for paper prototypes. <laughs> Like if if everyone can see the big smile on Martha's face right now, like that's the success that that Stephen you had. You convinced yeah. me. <laughs> it worked. <Yes. laughs> Having the constraint, like it made so much sense. Mm-hmm. I think why it never made sense to me before is because like at the GDC game design workshop, we had to, like the constraint was so the constraint on um the topics we could pick was so small, but mm-hmm. the, the stuff we could do was bigger. Yeah. And so it felt it was like, I don't really like any, like we have to make a board game based on a game that's already made. Yeah. And that, that seems backwards. Like this felt good because it was like, you make an idea and then make the prototype for the idea. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, not have the idea. And the, yeah. Yeah that, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. You're kind of like reinventing the wheel. Except you're like reinventing the spokes on the wheel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the wheel itself. <laughs> with the GDC one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You guys had sessions. Yeah. How they go? Uh, well, Martha, you had your, uh, your <sighs> Git uh, workshop. Yeah. And I, I missed it because I was doing my own thing. I know. But and I, I missed heard, yours. <laughs> I heard really good things. Oh, that's it was, awesome. It was good. I did show up at the end. Yeah. Like, I, I only, I only, this, uh, cause you ended early cause everybody was picking up on it so fast. Right? I know. I had estimated, like, first I estimated too much. Mm. Like I had, like, people making Unity projects and all of these, like, crazy complicated Uh-oh. things. Um, and I was like, no, no, I gotta scale it way back. <laughs> and it turns out I scaled it way, like, almost too far back because oh. people got through stuff in an hour and I had an hour and 45 minutes. And so, um, yeah, I was so impressed by everyone because it was like, I'd be like, so, any questions? They're like, oh, we have it done already. I was like, oh, okay. Dude, this is Git we're talking about. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that's, that's incredible. I know. That's how good this workshop was. I only was there for like 15 minutes. I was like, oh, man, Git, Git is so simple. And I was good at the beginning. It was great. It's fantastic. Yeah. And there wasn't uh, a wrinkle that you had was um, because of the venue, um, there wasn't internet for attendees. Yeah. So, you had to come with another solution. Yeah, so I uh, actually made it like way better mm-hmm. um, because I taught people how to um, make remote repositories on flash drives, oh. um, which is a thing you can do, everybody. Um, uh, but I think that made it interesting even to people who know how to use Git uh, already mm-hmm. um, because not many people know you can do it offline, to have, like have a remote offline. You can do it on your own computer, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think it turned out to be a boon to not have internet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
And people were like, they were comfortable with the command line? Like, did anybody come in with a skeptical attitude? Or? Uh, well, there were some people who came in with, uh, I'm not going to understand this, but I'm just going to sit and listen. Cause, right. mm. And by the end, like, uh, props to Ellen. She, like, totally got everything that was going on. Nice. And, yeah, it was so awesome seeing her, like, being like, oh, my God, this is so <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, yeah. Fantastic. Also, props to Adia for being the unofficial uh, co-speaker. Oh, sure. <laughs> she TA'd for you? Yeah. Nice. I love it. I'd be like, someone asked me a question, and I'd be like, I'm like 50% sure of the answer to this idea. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, thanks thanks for helping me out. Oh, that's nice. Uh, well, while that was going on, um, I had my session, which was called Tell Me Something I Don't Know Again. Uh, it was the second time I've done it at GlitchCon. I was also at this one. Yeah, so that's the thing. I won Steven. I'm really excited well, about that. I mean, that's not true. I went to both of you guys'. <laughs> okay, I'm just can, saying. Can I love you both equally? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me this one, Stephen. Okay. <laughs> so it was a, a roundtable uh, of uh, all the game devs in the audience, and we, we kind of went through a little bit of a timeline of, um, you know, uh, like from how do you get your ideas to how do you sell them to how do you talk about them? And um, I, I had everybody give examples of uh, successes and failures, like at any scale. And I think that got people sort of um, uh, in the mood to talk about their uh, like w- what they faced and why. Yeah. And I think it was a it was it was a great group, which was really great. And it, everyone kind of had a um, a good open attitude. People started talking to each other, like volunteering new information. Um, I don't know, Stephen, like I have a very rosy view because I, I was very pleased with it, but also a couple people did come up after me and tell me how much they enjoyed it. So I felt, I mean, so warm well, from good. those reactions. But you were there. Like, yeah, I thought it went really well. I yeah. was actually, um, there was, what was, uh, there was a, a couple of people who were there who at, t- approached me afterwards too, um, uh, asking me questions about, I can't remember their names right mm-hmm. now, but they asked the, remember that one dude who asked a whole bunch of questions to, uh, to people? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. That one guy, you guys clearly know who I'm talking about, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you were all there. Yeah. But um, it was really cool because there were a lot of people with different experiences. Will Tice was there. Yeah. Uh, our pal. Uh, he uh, gave some interesting insight, and I was there, and I blurted out random things sometimes. Well, and uh, I called on you a couple times <laughs> yeah. uh, just because, you know, you were within a view, and, oh, I, yeah. and I knew you could help me out. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, and Lane was there, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was fun. Um, yeah, it was like it was a good experience because... Uh, you were right when you were going through the talk. What, what the thing you said was keep learning and keep teaching. Yeah, right. That, that I really like. I really like that statement because it's important. Things yeah. that you know, other people probably don't know, and you, it's it's important to be conscious of it and try to inform others when you can. Yeah, yeah. That I think. I mean, it was meant to be a roundtable. People share with each other, but I did have two pieces of information that I felt I was qualified to impart. And the, I have these little aphorisms. And one of them was the one you just said, uh, keep learning, and, but also keep teaching. That's really important. Yeah. Um, because otherwise, the, there's no point in learning. And then the other one uh, was the sort of uh, two sides of this coin that you know more than you think you do, but you also will never know as much as you want to. Right. And I, I, that's, that's something you should always think about when you're learning things, is that you're never going to be an, the expert, even if you're the best in the world. You're never going to know it all. And so if you don't realize that, if you don't have that self-awareness, then you will get frustrated with every new piece of information you learn because it's it doesn't it doesn't unlock the you know you don't reach the mountaintop yeah right? um, but uh, the first part of that if you, you you actually do know more than you think you do and you shouldn't r- take the fact that you don't know everything as an excuse to to perv- to stop you from starting right. on something to yeah. to um, you know you're going to make mistakes and you're going to you know when you know more next year you would have done it better 
but you'll have a year of experience in the meantime. So mm-hmm. um, I hope that got through to people. I think it did. Good. I feel like it that's did. good to hear. I'm sad I missed it. <laughs> well, maybe next year. We'll see. We'll see what the feedback forms say. Because uh, this year at GlitchCon, um, they invited everybody to give feedback to the presenters, and that's I'm really right. anxious to hear like actual people's comments, like you know what they liked or what you know what didn't work about it. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, that'll be very interesting. Do they give it? Do they send it to us? I think that's the idea. I hope so. I hope so. I mean, yeah. I hope we don't just get like anonymously ranked. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think it's modeled off of other things, like how GDC does it. You, you know, you hear the speakers will like months later will on Twitter will say, "I got my feedback forms, and everybody uh, loved it or hated it." You know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So we also did a live show. Yeah, that's true. How did that go, guys? <laughs> it went really well. I yes. think. We had- Thank you so much. Um, to the Saltzmans for yes. uh, being our interviewees. Yeah, yes. Rebecca um, Be- and Adam. Rebecca and Adam. They yep. were like, I mean, we were very much like, thank you, thank you for like agreeing to stay. And they're like, we're <laughs> loving this. Like they, and I'm, I'm so glad that they enjoyed it. Yeah, you know, they, they took they took it away and they they just ran with it and it went really well. Yeah, they took a lot of stress off of us to perform on stage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, and just like, I mean, nuggets of wisdom all through it. So if you haven't already, go back and listen to that show. It's already published. Um, it's a really good one. Yeah. We're, we're, we're very proud of it. Yeah. yeah. What else did we do at GlitchCon? Well, you guys had your games at GlitchCon. How did yes. showing them off go? Uh, it was a thing that existed, and I wasn't really there to acknowledge it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was really good, I should say first, because um, I, I was a little worried going into this glitch or to this minicade because in past minicades would always be, had they'd always been like a separate thing and it'd be for like four hours or something and the, and people who were running the games would be there and, or to be a yeah. scheduled event yes yeah. scheduled event yeah and like people would be there and would uh, would be willing to take in feedback or help with questions or like if the game broke they could just reset it or whatever mm-hmm. this year it was different if, they, if a game broke how cute <laughs> 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 maybe other people are better about bugs than I yeah um, <laughs> but um, this year was different they had it up the whole GlitchCon um, and so I well especially on Saturday I was we were busy doing the live show and our own um, talks that we, I wasn't available to really be at Minicade, um, but mm-hmm. from what I heard, people enjoyed Fingence very much. Um, and even when I had like a little bit of downtime, I was able to go in there and um, play Fingence a little bit in other games. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, but, I, on Saturday night, like as things were clearing out, there was a group of four people like just like, you, you couldn't tear them away. From yeah, they were like they said, way I heard they it. were playing it for like two hours or so. Yeah. <laughs> a little longer. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> got, so cool. It got pretty intense. Mm-hmm. They broke the game a few times, which is also good. Not yeah. not for previewing it, but for good for me. And I was watching you when you were there, like resist the urge to take detailed playtest notes because it wasn't a playtest. <laughs> yeah. It was it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm I'm always tempted. Yeah. Uh, but it went really well. And I was really, I was very surprised about it because like, it really felt like a good hangout spot. Yes. That I didn't expect from it because, uh, Minicade was different because of the venue, there weren't really seats for people. Uh, you had to sit on the floor and some people had like not benches, but they had uh, stools mm-hmm. and things. So people could sit down on not the floor, but yeah. most people had, you know, just pillows and things. And it wasn't super comfortable, at least for me, but it went a lot better than I expected. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we raised concerns about that going in. That right. like it, it the, the idea is to have this like living room environment, so everything's low to the ground, and people are sort of. But there wasn't there wasn't enough 
sort of like pillows or beanbags or anything like that. And yeah. so each of the the mini-cated participants had to sort of come up with their own solution. Yeah. And, and that was kind of like a la- sort of last minute for a lot of us. And right. I was very happy with what I came up with. And uh, some of the people had other different options. Um, but the, uh, and I did, I actually started polling people around like, um, like, cause I'm very, I don't want to sit on the floor. Either. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we're like, yeah, I don't really want to sit on the floor either, but I don't mind it. So I don't mm. think it, uh, I was worried, but I don't think anybody walked away upset about it the way we were worried the players okay. might. All right. But, um, but I think for next year we might want to push a little harder cause I think, but I did like that everything was low. Like it, mm. like there wasn't, um, it made the ceilings feel taller and it made it feel like more of a hangout space. Yeah, it felt so chill. Like yeah, you went was, in there to relax. So like okay. that core idea of it, 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 it was bumpy, but it paid off okay. it, um, sort of uh, overall. Yeah, I was I very suppose, happy. I suppose it did the low setting make, yeah. make it feel a little better. And I might be a little bit more positive on it than you because I came up with this genius seating solution for my game, <laughs> which I like, you know, I had a session that went well. The show was great. People really liked my game. But mm-hmm. the thing that I'm most proud of at many games <laughs> was the seating solution. So I like uh, Friday night before the, the, um, uh, when we were setting everything up, and we're going to put this in the notes. Yeah, this picture. <laughs> yes, we should. Um, yeah, you have to see this, folks. Um, uh, we were trying to come up with. I was trying to come up with like, how are people going to to actually play the game? And I didn't want them sitting on the floor. Uh, I didn't the the uh, I like just I was uh, I didn't want to you know I wanted to figure mm-hmm. out something. Yeah. So I'm like, you know, what? I'm just going to go and buy some beanbag chairs. I don't care how much it costs. I'll regret it next week. And when I have nowhere to put them, and I spent money on beanbag chairs. <laughs> so I asked uh, Alex, who who put on the show, I'm like, Alex, where can you get beanbag chairs? And he's like, Walmart, probably. I'm like, oh, yeah. And so I went there, and I could spend $30 on a crappy, like a giant crappy beanbag chair. Oh, I wow. had to get four of them. And I was so close to doing it, you guys. I was like, <laughs> I don't care. I just want, I don't want people to sit on the floor. Yeah. But, and I'm just wandering around, and I see those, you know, at like, um, at a department store, you get the big rubber balls, right, mm-hmm. that, that uh, are basically uh, like, they're giant, giant basketballs. They're pre-inflated, and they come in this like little cage in the toy aisle, right, yep. with, like the like the rubber uh, band things around it, so you can just grab them. And they're like two dollars. And I saw those, and they were like the the right color for my game. And I'm like, maybe you can sit on those. And no, no, you can't sit on those. And so I'm like, that's a silly idea. So I'm keeping walking through, and I see, um, okay, there's these little bins. They're like um, sort of like garden trays. And I was like, oh, that's great. I can flip those upside down and put a pillow on it. And it's very low and it's seating. It's fine. I'll do that. So I grabbed one of those and then I looked around to see if I can find some sort of pillow to go with it. And then I walked by the rubber balls again and like a moment of a desperate inspiration, I flipped the bin upside down or right, right side up in fact, and then put the ball in it and it was just the perfect seat. Yeah. Like listeners at home, you may not realize, you may not appreciate how like excited I am about this idea or how that has anything to do with game dev. I think they can hear it in your voice. But it's one of my life's achievements. This thing. You know, I didn't realize that you didn't buy that as a set. Yeah. Like those looked like someone would have sold those together as a thing. Yeah. I didn't even realize there were two different pieces. The perfect $6 chair. And now I have nowhere to put them, but like, but I can just get rid of them because I can just buy them again next yeah. time I need them because they're really cheap. Yep. Um, yeah. We'll put the picture in there and so you can like, I don't know. Appreciate how excited I am. Marvel at it. Yeah. Um, also, people like my game, I guess. Like, <laughs> oh, there was that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just like yours, people who got into it really got into it. And I think that's a good sign. You want, like, people, you want a lot of people to play for five minutes. That's what you want. Mm-hmm. But what you always end up getting, or at least, I mean, if your game is any good, you end up getting some people who love it and other people who just walk right by it. Yeah. And that feels kind of weird and almost kind of bad, but you, in truth, that is how an audience is going to respond to it, is you're going to get people who love it, and most people will never play it. Mm. So I felt pretty good in the end. It was uh, not as much downtime as I was worried about, 
And and people would just stick with it, and which also meant it wasn't breaking as much as I thought <laughs> yeah. it was. So I was I was very happy. Oh, also shout out to uh, Newt One, Devonari, yes, for winning <gasps> yeah. Or winning mini game. Uh, what was this? It game of the I guess game it's of the year. Player's choice. Player's choice. That's yeah. the word. So uh, just like with the the sessions, you could go to a URL and vote for which mini game you liked. Um, and new one uh, won it, and yeah. uh, they got little tiny trophies at the closing <laughs> ceremony. It was very cute, and I think Dev and Ari were like not expecting it, so it was really it was very cute. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah. And if you want to hear more about uh, their game, uh, they were on our show recently. If you missed it, yes. um, talking about uh, their uh, nonviolent game. So yeah. check out that old episode. Um, to hear more. Yeah, cool. Um, Do you want to talk about the venue? Because we kind of touched on it. Um, okay. <laughs> Steven was not excited about the venue. I did not like the venue very much. No. Mm-hmm. It was the Soap Factory in Minneapolis. Yes. It's an artist gallery. Um, they put there's no permanent installations there usually it's a, a an ongoing thing they do a thing in uh, at Halloween called the Haunted Basement. Mm-hmm. I mean it really is an old soap factory. It's this like dingy Rick. old building and yeah. um and they they really Splintry make it, floors yeah yes. yeah and they make it work for like it's it's really it's for the arts community like for the people who like don't have the money to put it in like a proper gallery mm-hmm. which is most artists and so i've always loved that venue because of the service it provides but it's kind of not a great place to walk around in no so, not at all <laughs> i totally appreciate it yeah there were metal plates all about alex had told me that in in the uh what was it the mages hall Mm-hmm. Which is which was the room that I had my talk in the big one. And mine. Um, yes, and Martha's. Uh, it 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 had like there was a big gaping hole in there, and it was just covered by a steel plate. But like the plate wasn't bolted down or anything, so anybody <laughs> oh. could have just pushed the plate over and then just fill down the hole. Uh, that's an example of yeah. the soap factory. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did not know that. That makes me retroactively nervous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah in the vr area there was a, one of those metal plates covering up the hole it was actually like torn at the corner and <gasps> bent up oh. in the vr area right <laughs> where you yeah. put on the goggles and walk around um so the people that, who were running that uh were very mindful of where people stepped and there wasn't any there wasn't any reported issues but it was something that they had to really keep an eye on um yeah. in my at my area in minicade there was a hole in the floor that i had to fill with stuff un- underneath the really? rug undermine just because this is when i thought people were still going to sit on the floor oh yeah and so that was one of the reasons i was so desperate to find a solution oh, yeah. because if you you could f- fall falling in this hole <laughs> right <laughs> you sat on the floor because it was covered by a rug and so you wouldn't even see it yeah so yeah that, that place had some charm <laughs> charm is a good way of putting it yeah i don't know it particularly for me it was mainly just a safety and accessibility thing like yeah it didn't yeah. feel I mean, I mean, sure. Aesthetically, I didn't really care for it because it didn't. It felt like a indie scene thing. Mm-hmm. It felt. I thought it felt cool. Like, like the ambiance of it was yeah. definitely fit better with like video game. Like, it felt like you're walking around a video game level more than oh. uh, McNamara did. Yeah, That's it was a an interesting perspective that I had not seen. It was like a one of those levels straight out of Uncharted. Or yeah, something. yeah. <laughs> You know, we have to go around the corner and kill yeah. a bunch of dudes. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I I didn't consider it that way. I guess when I go to a conference, I'm thinking of it in terms of a conference. So I want to have a nice venue where I can mm-hmm. hear people and be able to see them and things like that. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it's just I, I didn't particularly care for the aesthetic. Yeah, but yeah. also I but like I said, mainly safety and accessibility. Like I mean, we were just talking about how dingy it felt uh, and looked and and was and. Um, I mean, and it, it seemed like to me there were a lot of things that weren't particularly taken into account. Like, I there were people people might bring kids here, 
they might have children running yeah, around yeah. and I didn't want them tripping on them and like getting splinters are much worse than that. Yeah. I'm definitely uh, of two minds about that because when you talk about it in those terms, like yeah. there's no arguing, like it's not, it wasn't, not that it wasn't an, not, it was not an unsafe place, but yeah. like, you know, a building inspector would have to like kind of, you know, cross his eyes to give it a pass. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's on the verge. Right. Um, and so for safety and, and accessibility, that is a huge deal. Right. But on the other hand, like it, you know, it, it let glitch like put on a better show yeah. because it was a cheaper venue. Right. It, and it, a cheaper, a cheaper show, like the tickets yeah. this year were cheaper. Tickets were cheaper. <laughs> um, and it, I mean, which that supports glitches ongoing mission. And that's why like spaces like that are important. Yeah. Um, but they do have compromises. Right. And like when you're talking about like, you know, uh, hearing people like it's a big open space and they had to move dividers and curtains to make these like rooms for people. But like big shout out to the glitch staff oh, and yeah. volunteers because there was not a problem. Like, yeah. I mean, all the audiovisual stuff worked like everyone like w- was organized pretty well and like could hear each other. And you, even when you were in a room where you could hear the other room, it was just a little bit of a din. It kind of made the space feel full rather than distracting as a presenter, like uh, who had my audience participate. Like, I couldn't have asked for like a, a you know anything better than what we got from that, and that was you know there was a risk of that because it was all kind of ad hoc together. Yeah, um, but well done, uh, you know. Oh, for sure, for they sure. spent like two days setting it up. And yeah, everything ready to go. Right. So it wasn't pre-made the way that you know they told at a hotel or university building that you know, like you get a lot of that stuff kind of built in. Right. Yeah, they built all the rooms and everything. So kudos for sure. Yeah, yeah. That was that was a lot of work, and you could tell that they they spent a lot of time. on Yes, it felt very handcrafted and lovingly put together. Right, and when when there was a when when all the people were there, like the sort of the dinginess of the space, kind of not didn't go away, but it it it, only the charm of it came through, (laughs) at least in my mind. So I I thought like uh, yeah, there's there's compromises, but Mm. like I mean, it was it went it was great, really was great, but. Uh, you're right. You're not wrong, Stephen. Yeah. About the problems, and you know that's especially when it comes to accessibility. Yeah. That's important. And this is something we care about. It's something Glitch cares about. Right. And so you know, but the Soap Factory is getting a big renovation next year. So yes. Glitch is hoping for a relationship with them to go on, and mm-hmm. I I think it's a it'll get better and better. Yeah. If they get if they make it a lot safer feeling and more accessible, mm-hmm. then all I have to get over is the, uh, the aesthetics feel. Right. And I mean, I'm not going to get over that, so I'll just have to accept that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 just put on the VR goggles then yeah. you'll be fine yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe we should talk about the keynotes that were there a little bit sure the Saltzmans yeah. they had an interesting keynote talk in the beginning yeah it was it was more like a an interview sort of because Ava yeah. was on stage too and just they went back and forth and talked about stuff mm-hmm. yeah um, which made their agreeing to be interviewed by us later that d- that same day all the more appreciated. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, their talk was super interesting, mm-hmm. all about running an, an indie studio and also running a like publishing thing and then having their relationship together. Yeah, because um, they're totally married. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, that's how they expressed it: totally married. Yeah. Right? <laughs> then there was a story where um, they said that Becca was. Or they were in an article, and Adam and Becca were in the article, and then somebody commented on there, and they thought that Becca was the mom. Oh yeah, right, or something. <laughs> which, so she makes it clear on her on her uh, on her Twitter that she's married to Adam. Right. right. <laughs> you know that was that was something they mentioned in the keynote, and they sort of touched on a little bit on in our show is the yeah. idea that that uh, Becca has to face the sort of like assumptions that people mm-hmm. make about a woman in gaming. Yeah. And I thought that was so interesting because like 
you meet her and talk to her for five seconds and you you can't imagine that she's anything other than than like um, the amazing Becca Saltzman. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's but it's interesting to hear that how common it is and how on her guard she has to be yeah. at the, at, you know, I mean, uh, Finji's fairly successful these days right. and she's the CEO and she's the CEO of that company. Yeah. And she's also a game designer there. Right. And like, but that she still has to fight against and she has to prove herself again and again. Yeah. It's, it's sad and it's telling. Um, but you know, she, she handled it. Yeah. And also, uh, Heather Kelly. Yes. I overslept and missed the talk. So what did you talk about? <laughs> this was the Sunday keynote. Yes, uh, I think I was in the middle of uh, preparing for Finch's a little bit, but it was kind of interesting. I I I saw the tail end of it. And it was pretty interesting. Uh, she was she talked about like what you should do uh, as a game dev to like, um, I guess to help other people out, mm-hmm. sort of like that. Um, and so w- one part that was kind of interesting, she had everybody like whistling. Uh, what's the name of that song? Uh, Back the knife. <laughs> because <laughs> oh, awesome. she's like I, I, I'm not good at whistling but I'm going to do it here and you guys are going to help me do it mm-hmm. <laughs> and so we were all whistling back the night with her it was oh, pretty cool. fun um, yeah but like at that point it was it was about like you shouldn't you shouldn't um, make fun of people who are mm-hmm. trying to learn things and right. it, I mean it goes back to your talk like you should you should be willing to teach people and you should be willing to acknowledge that you have shortcomings too yeah yeah um, and, and so, a team working together can multiply each other's right efforts yes um just as we did when we whistled (laughs) that's awesome i missed a lot of it too because i was i set up my game on sunday and then i started playing will's game (laughs) atmocopter and i missed like the first 20 minutes of the keynote Uh, Uh, atmocopter is good guys oh yeah (laughs) yeah that's it is really good yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's funny well that was glitchcon 2017 yeah what they got like wasn't it like 90 hours worth of content or yeah. something like that? Yeah, you need to trim it into 44 hours. Not even. It's less right. than 44. Like 36, 39, 39 yeah. sessions total. I don't. I remember hearing that. I don't know if that was the final think, number. Yeah, I there. think it was like 39 hours of content. It was a good balance. Yeah, shout out to the selection committee. Mm-hmm. Y- y'all did a good job. Oh, yeah. For sure. We say as uh, speakers. Ha, people who got in. It was competitive. I submitted two oh, yeah. talks I, and, and a micro talk and, and, and I got just the one in and I think that's like made sense. Like mm-hmm. it was a packed <laughs> uh, conference. Yeah, you know? for sure. uh, we're lucky to have spoken there. That's true. That's um, true. And you know, if you're out there and you've got something you want to say uh, <laughs> next year at GlitchCon, um, think about it. Think about uh, uh, joining up. That's what would make GlitchCon 2018 even better is if your talk is in <laughs> the lineup. So think about it. You got a whole year. Yeah. Yeah. Also, a Mario Kart Switch thing. Oh yeah, you were talking before the show about how. Uh, we were playing uh, Mario Kart. It was so cute. <laughs> Mark and Steven were playing on their Switches here in the, in the clubhouse. And then Steven's brother, Charles, was on the phone. Yeah. And then Troy was online. Yeah. Troy Strand. Friend yeah. of the show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was pretty fun. Yeah. It's so um, easy to start those matches. But you, uh, we didn't, there wasn't a lot of that happening at the conference. Right. I mean, you were really hoping there would be. Yeah. I, I was kind of disappointed. Yeah. I, I mean, I understand it's a conference. You're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. You're trying to network and things. Yeah. But you could also network through your Switches. Yeah, but up them. So, Stephen, yes, you did this really, really awesome talk on game design. I mean, that's what I've heard anyway. Uh-huh. It was so great, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I think it'd be great if you gave that same talk for our listeners. Maybe. Hey, okay, I can 
I can try. It's going to be kind of difficult. You guys could follow along. Ooh. So I'm going to have the slides on the the um, on the show notes. Ooh, oh, ooh, ooh, ooh. They're not that exciting slides. There's like they're missing a lot of pictures. I should have put more pictures in there. You said that, but you had enough. Yeah, they were good. They had like four pictures. They were fine. I mean, the pictures were cool, but just just not enough. Oh. <laughs> But anyways, the meme to slide ratio is not high enough. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they get ratios. Yeah. Um, <laughs> could do a whole rant mm-hmm. on ratios. So in your workshop, there was two parts, right? Yes. You had the presentation, right. and the workshop itself. Yes. So, so pres- what are we going to hear? The presentation is the thing you guys are going to hear here mm-hmm. on the show. Uh, the workshop thing, I'm sorry, you would have had to been at Glitchcon to do. You can. They can do it at home. You can. I it's mean, a take home project. Hey. Yeah. I mean, if you have, if you're constrained and restricted enough, you could do it for the 60 minutes. But I mean, I'm not there to say, "Hey, stop, stop." So. <laughs> Set a timer, everybody. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so, what is game design? You guys know what game design is. I hope you guys know what game. Wait, design is. wait. I didn't need to be prompted. Oh yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this was this is the first slide I had, aside from the one that introduced myself. But anyways, I I pulled the Wikipedia game design definition, which was game design is the art of applying design and aesthetics to create a game to facilitate interaction between players for entertainment or for educational exercise or experimental purposes. Yeah, but nobody knows what that actually means. So <laughs> so I I. I what it really is is just the, the crap you put in your game to make it, you know, um, to make it interactive or to make interesting choices for the player, um, you know, like jumping or shooting or power ups, things like those kinds of things. Um, it can be as large as like a specific genre. So, like, uh, if you want to make a shoot 'em up, like Vengeance, or if you wanted to make a platformer, sort of like Metro Nexus or whatever, uh, those are the kinds of decisions you make when you're uh, doing game design. What you do when you start it, at least at least how I like to start, is like I have an idea or an emotion or whatever kind of thing I want to start with and I run with that. So like, for example, if um, uh, with Vengeance, we're designing with teamwork as the core. So when we, whenever we have a question about what we want to do with our design, we'll go back to that and say, how can we make this emphasize teamwork more? Um, and we try to figure out the best way to do that. Uh, I made a character called Gwen. Oh dang! We should link to Gwen's picture. Yeah. On the, oh, because I love that picture so much. My brothers are working on art for Gwen. Finally. Yes, yes, it, yes. It's like the best. Like I don't ever want to play another character in Vengeance because of that <laughs> picture. <laughs> but no. <laughs> but anyways, Gwen is a. I, I wanted to make a support tank character for Vengeance because Vengeance is a cooperative shoot 'em up, and so everybody has particular roles. Some players are tanks. Some characters are. Um, uh, damaging characters and things like that. So I wanted to make a support tank character, and so I designed her kit to be in that. Uh, and you can see that in the slide that Gwen is kind of kind of fits that role. Like She has the ability to slow enemies down around her, and she's encouraged to be up close to things like a tank would, and she has the ability to drop a mine, which would tank for her, or would, would, would tank for her and her team. Those kinds of things. Um, also, like at the Global Game Jam, or a GameCraft here in Minnesota, which is really confusing. We should figure that out. <laughs> but anyway, um, um, they, they prompt you with a, a, a prompt, I guess, like a, a theme. And last year's theme was waves. Uh, and that helps jog ideas in your head so you can come up with a mm-hmm. solid idea, where you, a direction you want to go in. It's a lot easier to design when you have, that, you have an overarching goal or idea versus just doing anything because restrictions are actually, strangely enough, Helpful, not not just helpful, but like freeing in a way, because that's something you don't have to think about. Um, yeah, uh, that. So the, when I the next slide, 
the next thing I want to talk about is that no design decision is, decision is arbitrary. All things you decide to do in your game make a difference, which is threatening, I know, but like everything, like everything <laughs> has a good or a bad consequence. So like if you decide to make your character red, for example, people might be more aggressive with that character because they, when, when people see red, they think more aggressively, things like that. And they, it could be a small consequence, like they might be a, character, a player might be more aggressive as a result of you changing the color, or it could be a huge consequence where a player might be able, not be able to play your game because they're uh, red-green colorblind, and they aren't able to distinguish uh, your character from the background, for example. Those are the kinds of things you have to pay attention to. And every decision you make has a cost that you have to keep in mind. So like, if you decide to make your character red, you have to make sure that um, you have to consider that that you, some people might not be able to um, see what you're do what they're doing on the screen, and you have to keep that in mind and think, well, maybe it's worth it because I really need this character to be red. I don't know. Uh, so, like player approachability, or like making sure that expert players have something to do, well, or have enough depth in the game in order to be involved and engaged in the game, things like that. Those are important. But it's also you shouldn't think about it too hard because <laughs> <laughs> because I mean it's it's stressful, but it, it's not 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 everything you decide to do in your game is going to cause um, failures, cause the worst. You know, I mean your game will be okay, guys. It'll it's be fine. fun decisions. Yes, fun <laughs> decisions. Um, but also it's important not to think about it too hard because over designing is bad. And what over designing is is um, putting in too many rules or mechanics into a thing to make it to make it work for what you're trying to do. So, um, I don't know if I can come up with a good example. Well, in Fingence, oh, for a long it. time, you had an <laughs> oh, okay. energy meter That's and true. a cooldown. We did. And you recently changed that. We did. Um, I wouldn't really call that an example of over-designing, but, <laughs> but you're right. Um, it, 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 the, both energy and cooldown served similar purposes and as a result we decided that we didn't need the energy mm -hmm. costs they were in games. fact balanced between each other right. it's just it was complicated yeah it was it was more complicated than i suppose it needed to dang it it is over designing <laughs> ah, darn you work <laughs> i've been having this conversation with him for a while so <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> but i mean you made the change and like right. and, and it's great it's good yeah now. yeah it, um so those are the kinds of things you need to be wary of it reminds uh, me of that one episode of magic school bus where Carlos is making a new trying to make a new instrument, and he just keeps adding on more and more mm -hmm. pieces oh. <laughs> of stuff, and it keeps sounding worse and worse and worse, and he doesn't yeah. know what to do. And finally, at the end, he's like, "All of this stuff is preventing it from doing the thing it's supposed to do, which is vibrate and make sounds." So he like throws everything off, and it's just down to the bass thing, and it sounds great. And oh, that's great! Everyone wins. That, oh. really, that really does sound like a game design process. It totally does. <laughs> That's, that's a wonderful example. Miss uh, <laughs> Frizzle, secret game dev. <laughs> uh, another way to prevent yourself from like thinking about uh, your decisions too hard is to just make an arbitrary decision. So like maybe um, you're trying to figure out how much health this enemy should have. Oh, did you? Have but I thought there were no arbitrary decisions, uh, Stephen. Uh, well, sorry. It's a trap you laid in this presentation for you. <laughs> there aren't. There. Are, I mean. When you're, if you're making an arbitrary decision, you're trying to determine, you're trying to figure something out more about your game. That's hmm. why you would make an arbitrary decision. So, like, if you want to figure, if you're trying to make an enemy and you want to figure out how difficult this enemy should be to kill, or whatever. Um, if you, uh, you could put just like a hundred health and see how much health, um, how long it takes players to kill them, or whatever you have to do. 
Um, if it takes them forever to, to deal with this, this enemy, then you might go, oh, shoot, maybe I put too much health in there. And you might cut it in half and put it at 50. And then that might just be enough. So it'll give you a better idea of what you want and what you're trying to go Yeah, for. to work your way towards a, 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 a directed decision, yeah. you need to make a couple of arbitrary ones to sort of feel out the possibility space. Mm-hmm. Right? Like trial by error. Sort of yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. Um, this, it's, it's actually a strategy in Sudoku, which is interesting. But I guess that's probably maybe that's part of where they came from. Um, another way, another um, strategy is to just work on something else for a moment, because uh, like you might be sitting there and thinking about it for hours on end. And I've done this. I do that a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so it might just help to uh, move on to something different. So like maybe you need to draw. Maybe you've been trying to draw this character for forever and a day, and you you're just not getting anywhere. Maybe if you go and uh, work on um, programming the AI of the enemy, you might have a better idea of what you want. Um, or something like that. And also, it's good to play other games because, you know, we're, we're also game devs. We hopefully enjoy playing games as much as we do making them. Well, maybe not as much. But <laughs> but um, it, it's helpful and inspiring to play other games. Like, sometimes I've gotten inspired uh, from other uh, games, like, with bullet patterns and things. It's helpful to just to see other people's bullet patterns and work with that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also, I have a whole slide dedicated to this, so you know it's important. Play testing, guys. <laughs> play test early, play test often. Um, be like the tagline of our show. Yeah, I've not heard that before, Stephen. What? How important is that? <laughs> Extremely important. I, I hear it doesn't matter at all. Oh, my goodness. Get out. <laughs> it's, it's extremely important, guys. You never know if a decision is, is, will work until you do it. So you never know if your game will even be fun until you like, play test it. And I think people uh, in my in, during the workshop they figured that out pretty quick. They had a better idea of like how important it is to play testing. Mm-hmm. Um, but strategies to play testing, and I think we've covered this in the show in the, in the past. But um, just make sure that you make sure you know that you are the worst play tester for your own game because you know how it functions. You know all of the little uh, intricacies of the game, and other people don't, especially when they're first starting and they're first trying it out. So it's important to make sure that you have other people play it. Maybe maybe friends and family, preferably those strangers are the best because they're un, they will probably be filtered because they're nice, especially here in Minnesota and in the clubhouse. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, they are they they won't have any biases towards the game, so that that's something to keep in mind. Hopefully, you can get some strangers to play. Maybe bring it up to a, a playtesting event, or maybe just bring it to a coffee shop or something. I don't mm-hmm. know, and just go, hey, uh, are you busy? You want to play a game? <laughs> I don't know. So scary. One of the things we do is, you know, we play test among each other, and that seems like it should be the opposite of what your advice is. But I think it it works because we have a level of trust. Right. So we're able to be critical and without ruining our friendships. Yeah. That, that, and when, when we, um, when I get like a whole bunch of friends and people to play, I'm looking for like a focus testing thing. Yeah. So people like going at the game for a few hours. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you're play testing it, you just want people to play it for like uh, maybe 15 minutes. Yeah. Not, not a huge time. Not a huge time, because you got to keep you got to keep in mind that they're they have lives too, and they don't want to spend all day playing the game <laughs> unless you ask them to. Mm-hmm. Um, but make sure you iterate off of that feedback. You you take that feedback in, and you 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 try to benefit your game from that feedback the best you can. So if someone's having a very difficult time getting through this level, you might go, "Oh man, maybe this level's a little hard," um, and you might adjust numbers to make it easier for them. But make sure that just because somebody gives you feedback doesn't mean that it is the end all be all. Like if some if you're playing a platformer and someone's like, I really like point and click games. I wish this was a point and click game. You probably shouldn't change your game to be a point and click game because 
I mean, aside from point and clicks not being that fun. Hey, <laughs> wow. I'm kidding, sort of. About to get not nice up in here. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, appointments are completely different genres, so you don't want to change your game for that. You know, just just make sure to um, keep that in mind. And I know it's difficult to open yourself up to criticism, but it's important that you do it because you want your game to be as good as it can possibly be, and you can't do that until other people play it. And I, I would assume that, well, I mean, I suppose every game is different, so maybe you're making a game for yourself, but most of the time you're making a game for other people to enjoy. And so you want to make sure that other people actually do enjoy it. Yeah, and then this was the part when I'm like, "Hey, let's try it, guys!" Uh, and then we everybody broke up in uh, teams of four. Well, maybe you can describe. Yeah, so, so people at home, if you've got, uh, most people are listening on like commutes and stuff. But if you got an hour, whatever. Yeah. Oh here's, yeah. Sure. Here's a great activity to try. Yeah, that is that is a good point. Okay, so um, this would this I, ideally you would be in like a team because it's it's difficult to. It's not that difficult to prototype on your own, but it's helpful to just have somebody to bounce ideas around. So I, I suggested people have teams of four, and I had a whole bunch of materials. Uh, I had, they should uh, get some friends, say, hey, do the activity, and then yeah. you could also introduce them to this program. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I had the, the materials I had on the table for people to play test with. I had note cards. I had uh, post-it notes. I had Starburst, which... <laughs> I should have <laughs> I should have warned people about initially because I, there were some people eating the Starburst when they first went into the <laughs> and it was I mean they were supposed to use them for pieces I would suggest maybe using actual pieces but I mean if you want wasn't that Ava's anything, idea it was Ava's idea it's a good idea though right? it was, people yeah. did appreciate it yeah yeah and it was nice because there's like no cleanup you just eat the pieces and move on well you left some behind for the next workshop to eat yeah. too. <laughs> it worked out really well. Um, but yeah, uh, this uh, that's all you really need to do. So uh, you just have a your team of four or whoever. Maybe you're by yourself, um, and then you have those materials I described, those and, and pencils and you know things to write with. Uh, and then uh, I gave everybody on the on the thing a theme, and that theme was emotion. So I wanted people on, in each team to come up with an emotion, and it was a pretty wide range of emotions. There was like. Jealousy and fear of death, <laughs> and uh, a whole bunch of different things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm surprised nobody picked like happiness or joy. They were that was just boring. <laughs> I guess Newt one has got that one covered. That's true. That's true. So Stephen, why would people want to start with an emotion and not a mechanic? Um, because become or starting with a mechanic, like with 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 games when you're when you're coming up with a game, it's not so much important how the mechanics work exactly you want people to feel a particular thing because you want people to enjoy the game and if you just if you base your game around a mechanic like if you for example say i'm going to make the best jumping platformer in the world it's very difficult to make design decisions based off of that but really the emotion behind that is like i want to be the best acrobat in the world right yeah like if you want if you were trying to make a game like that instead of trying to make your game feel as the best as it can by jumping think of it in terms of making the player be the best acrobat and feel like the best acrobat while they're playing the game and that will help your design decisions moving forward as opposed to like basing a, a mecha- or just basing your game off of a mechanic because it's really easy to just add mechanics on top of that to uh, build mm-hmm. that mechanic up uh, as opposed to like um, adding mechanics to build an emotion up because it's it's really difficult to determine whether or not this mechanic is helping this other mechanic unless you have a base thing to feel from it. Right, you know? right. 
Yeah, I mean, this I I resonate so much with that idea because of how important I feel I, I want like uh, games to be art. Yeah, and you as a real like mechanics design guy, the fact that that like that is equally true from that perspective is really cool. And I, I, people in that room in that workshop, like that was their, their aha moment when they understood mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah, it went really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very I was very pleased with it. Hopefully it goes well for you at home as well. Yeah, let me. Oh. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Send us your games. Yes. <laughs> Send us your games. If you do this at home, tweet at us at Nice Games Club or get a hold of us any other way. Yeah, contact at nicegames.club is our email. Uh, you can tweet at us, of course. Yeah. Um, and you could, you could comment on the Reddit post for this uh, episode. Um, or just, you know, I mean, you don't have to send it to us, but uh, you should be sharing it anyway. Yeah. Right? Because that's part of your doctrine is right. to, to yes. share it, play, play test, test it. Uh, but we want to hear because I think um, Stephen's workshop was a big success. And the only shame of it was that not more people could have participated. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> let's let's make that you. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's my talk. It's fun. Yeah. I wish I, I mean, I, I was sort of a TA for you and yeah. I, I was very happy to do that. But I do wish I could have participated. Yeah. Because people really loved it. <laughs> yeah, I have a better idea of what I need for the next time I do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, more to come. Right. right? Oh yeah, you'll, you'll be doing this session. You'll be doing this. Definitely again, doing right? it again for sure. Um, so I think we have a third topic. We do have a third topic, and unlike there are fun last two topics, which were special and about GlitchCon, this one's like kind of dry and kind of boring and kind of <laughs> regular. But I'm kind of invested in it, which is multitasking. So I think there's this sort of. Multitasking is an interesting history. I think in the 90s and the early 2000s when multitasking became more than just like parallel processing on a mm-hmm. CPU and it became something that humans were said to be able to do uh-huh. um, with uh, the advent of more digital technology. I mm-hmm. think it was this idea of like multitasking is this amazing thing that you need to be good at to survive in the modern world. Yeah. And I think that was kind of like a trend or a fad or a kind of a pop psychology, right? And then more recently, uh, because it's now been studied in how people do uh, multi- or task switching more specifically, um, the, the consensus has arrived basically to say that it's basically incredibly inefficient. <laughs> that um, you know, people who, uh, like, you know, the, the example they always use is like information workers, people who answer emails, have meetings, do reports, or you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And if all of that is happening at once, and the fact that we always have access to work emails and, um, and even like social calendars and stuff that just sort of ping us all the time. Yeah. The, all that task switching can really slow us down. It can stress us out. Um, and I kind of want to talk about it from a game dev perspective because I know for myself, um, because I'm a one-man dev, I do a lot of different things for my game and I kind of do them all at once in right. a certain way. Yeah. So I feel kind of like I'm, I am a, a practiced multitasker. But every time I read about this and like how bad it is, I kind of like, I comport a little bit with that. I'm like, oh, I get it. I, I kind of get it. But I kind of I'm curious to sort of explore examples of of how, where we think it's helped us or hurt uh, hurt us mm. in a way. Um, but I think the um, uh, one of the things that it, that interests me when I, when I was researching this today, I was actually I was multitasking at work today <laughs> and doing some research on this. Um, but that uh, task switching, the reason that it beca- it's sort of natural for people is because it, it releases endorphins because we like learning. Like mm. humans, uh, you know, even the dummies among you um, like to learn things. It's a it's a it's a rush. So. Um, uh, task switching back and forth between things because you have to like um, organize your time and like decide what to do next. It 
it, it is that you actually are learning not just about the things you're doing, but about the process of doing it. Okay. And so it becomes very attractive to do it. It also puts your mind in that mode, which can make it very effective to do smaller tasks. So it actually can have a benefit. Um, the downside, of course, is that it is, it is woefully inefficient in terms of time because there's so much overhead in how you're thinking about tasks, um, but also that it releases stress hormones. And it, yeah, it's just, it's, so that's why when people talk about how busy they are and like you kind of like, yeah, okay, I, I, thanks for telling me. Like the reason people <laughs> say this it because it, it like they feel busier than they are mm. in a lot of cases um, interesting yeah uh, but I want to talk about um, like the necessity of, of multitasking for game dev workflows so Stephen your example actually you had an example uh, inadvertently when you're talking about um, getting stuck yeah. right you're, let's say you're drawing a character mm-hmm. and then you want to then move on to designing the AI for that character which might give you some insight on how the character would look yeah those kinds of tandem tasks but you require a bunch of different skills that to me I see that that's an example where I'm like there is no argument you can make to me that that is not an efficient process I agree right I wouldn't call that multitasking exactly I mm-hmm. guess the when I when I when I explain the example I was thinking you were spending Three or four hours working on the art, the character design of the of this dude, mm-hmm. and um, it just wasn't working out. And so you spend um, another two or three hours, yeah, um, working on the AI. Oh, I see what you mean. But that actually, that's another sort of thing I wanted to talk about, which is like how we define it, right? Yeah. So if oh, sure. if multitasking between unrelated activities is something that is sort of a, a science has studied. It's really interesting that the, we'll put some links in the show notes. The actual sort of like way they test for this yeah. is r- really compelling and interesting. Um, but a, a lot of times, because it, 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 they try to have these different tasks that activate different parts of your brain and uh, that, are, that do not sort of correlate. And, oh, I got you. But when I think about multitasking, I think about insert doing multiple tasks in service of a larger task. Oh. And so, like, imagine, think about, like, painting a, a house, right? You need to balance on a ladder, and you need to, like, uh, decide where to paint next. Like, a lot of, these are all things that don't actually have anything to do with each other, but you have to do them at the same time. Yeah. And, but we don't call that multitasking. We call that painting a house. Right. And so I, I, I am really fascinated where you draw that line mm. and, and when it becomes, when is multitasking a skill? And when is it a hindrance? And no matter how good at it, you know, when is it a bad workflow? And when is it a skill that will improve what you're doing? Okay. I'm really fascinated by that because I think the, I think that the criticisms of of it are tend to have these really broad definitions of what a what a task is. Yeah. And then they have these this sort of narrow view of the sort of uh, exam, lists of example tasks that would fall in this category. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, look, if you're watching TV and reading a comic book at the same time. You're not going to get the most from either. Yeah, but that's that's fun. That's what seems totally logical to me. But I don't know that that's the same as like it, your example because I've done that. I've mm-hmm. I've worked on the art and animation for a character of mine, yeah. and then decided that the jump should work differently, and then modified a little bit of code, and then came back like within the same ten minute span yeah. to adjust. And those are those are different skills, but they're in the service of something larger. Mm-hmm. So that's my defense of multitasking, I guess. But it's fair. I mean, it's incredibly biased and very like of my own experience. So I want to hear from you guys. Yeah. Like, what um, is it? Something you avoid? Is it something you feel that you get trapped in? What are some examples of sort of multitasking in your work? Well, I was thinking of when you were talking about drawing a character. Um, there's a lot of advice in for art uh, to like when you're drawing something to be at the same stage for each piece of it and that's mm. like advice to, in order to keep things like proportional and stuff because uh-huh. you'll start working like if you just work on someone's face and then 
like get so detailed and then start working on the rest of the person, you can get like off on that stuff. And so like, yeah. So like the suggestion would be to like make everything sketchy at once, all where it needs to be and then start filling things in and move from place to place. Um, and making it more and more detailed that way. So I was thinking about that and like, would making a game like that work or would it just be that? Yeah. Cause I was mm-hmm. going to say that doesn't seem like a good way to make a game to be honest. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> because it's important you have the core feedback loop in your game so that people can um, experience that and, and you can experience that and you know, whether you, you need to be able to iterate off of that. And I, I suppose like art and story, all of that also needs to be iterated on, mm-hmm. but those could come separately. I feel like, you would want to do those in chunks. Like you would want to work on the art of the, the thing and make sure that whole thing is at the same quality level for the for the most part in your game. But you'd also you wouldn't necessarily need your gameplay to be at that same level. It could be right. a higher or lower level. I don't know. But they do need to move together to some extent, right? I mean, we've actually brought this up on our show before. In, yeah. With, about like um, developer arts and um, and uh, agile as a process mm-hmm. where you kind of want to have. I mean, you don't want to have like you don't want step one of every little thing all there, right? But you you want what you know you don't want to leave anything out. Oh, yeah. as you move forward, you're right, you're right, right. Um, I agree with that. I guess I I just wouldn't necessarily say that you need to have your game mechanics to be um, as um, at the same level as your art. Like you, right, you, yeah. sure, of course, your of art course. doesn't have to be finalized if your yeah. game mechanics. It's on. it's a totally different medium. But that was just what I thought. When no, you were but, saying, but I think sense. I think it's very applicable because mm-hmm. you know you think of like um, you're, you're, you you want to draw a still of a ballerina in motion, and so you you would think okay, well I need to do like a weight distribution. So you're going to just do the stick figure sort of of it to say okay, and then it's weighted this way. Okay, well that's going to matter how its leg is twisted. So I'll work on the leg for a little while, and then I don't need to worry about the shoulder. But uh, so you can so you have the sort of broad outlines, but you then do you, like you're saying, Stephen, different yeah. levels depending on the needs of each of the little tasks in the larger task. So, I mean, it kind of rolls into my defense of it, is that, like, that holistic approach that is important to the way I work, sometimes I feel it's harder to defend because it just sounds like multitasking, which is, which science shows, is, leads to distractions and, and low efficiency. So, um, so I don't know. That's interesting. It's, it's, it's sort of competing uh, thoughts in my own mind about it. Yeah, it's like, what part, because you're working on one thing, technically. It's your right. game you're working on. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, when do you draw that line of, like, yeah. now I'm working on something completely different, and is it taking away from me getting the script done or something? Right, right. The, the example I have this last two weeks is preparing for GlitchCon, I was working on uh, cutscenes for my game. I had both of you test it out for me, which is I appreciate very much, by the way. Um, <laughs> it's really great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um, but there were two parts to it. There was uh, uh, building a framework, uh, uh, um, a, a super class for a, a cutscene, which was going to help me going forward so I can write cutscene child classes and yada yada. Um, but also, um, I needed to do some script writing, which is the first of, of the, a lot of the first of the fiction that a lot of people will ever see in my game because it's been mostly just the arcade modes this whole time. Yeah. And, um, and I, I really had to do those together. Like I couldn't, and when I found that I would, I, the more I would get into the writing, the worse it got. I had to step back and switch gears mm. to think about, okay, how much goes into each box? How many boxes? I need to test it. I need to iterate. I need to, and so, it, and those are definitely different tasks. And right. I actually wasn't, I was, I kept telling myself, listen, this is getting inefficient. I wasn't thinking about in terms of this topic yet. I just <laughs> only today thought of how applicable it was. I was thinking, okay, this is getting, comp- I'm just, okay, I'm setting aside the code for now. I'm just going to write this scene. And I, I know I've been playing with it enough. I know how long, uh, uh, how much text will fit in a box. I know roughly the 
the plot arc. I know all that. And I wrote the whole thing out and I, then I brought it in and it, I had to, I started changing it immediately mm-hmm. because of what I was experiencing okay. and how I was I- implementing it. And in the end, I just wrote it in the code editor. Uh, like I had, oh. uh, because that was just the fastest way to do it while I was also deciding its, its functionality. Um, and I, I, it's, I don't know. I, I feel like that's a pretty good defense of that process. But again, I don't know. It might just be the way I could have, I got through it this week, you know? Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I guess. I don't know if I approach things like that. That seems, that seems, well, I don't know. I, well, specifically with Vengeance, uh, I do, I do some of the code, but not a lot of it. And so Mm -hmm. I mainly focus on the game design. Yeah. Uh, And so I I have the ability to just focus on one thing and not have to multitask. Uh, But like, for example, with Vengeance, uh, when I'm working on an enemy, I also have to adjust like say the chunks because uh, the game is, the game has randomly generated levels and each, each level is made of a certain amount of chunks. And so when I'm when I'm making a change to an enemy, you also have to make a change to the, the chunk to reinforce that. Right. But I wouldn't consider that. I, I I guess I would just consider that working on the the, the that level. Yeah. Well, that's where it's where you draw that line, right? Yeah. I, I right. think it's. I mean, I don't think that's very fuzzy. I think you're right. That's just that is part of one task, basically. Yeah, but but I mean, when I'm doing that, I have to adjust. Sometimes I have to adjust animations because uh, I'm deciding to make this attack slower, and so I have mm-hmm. to like edit the animation or maybe change it completely because it doesn't work anymore. And so I have to do that kind of thing. And then in addition, I have to change the numbers of that enemy to make sure that that enemy is balanced and isn't like too too hard for players to take down, but also isn't too easy for players to take down so they're not a challenge. And mm-hmm. you have to make sure that the scrap is, or you give people enough um, reward for taking down this enemy and things like that. I Those are all different tasks, but those are related to the same main task. Yeah. And I, yeah, like, I, like you said, it's, 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 I guess it's just how you, how you break it down. Right. I right. wouldn't really consider that multitasking. I would consider mm-hmm. working on vengeance to be a task. Right, right. Um, and I don't, I don't mean to challenge that at oh, all, no. or to, or to say like nothing is true. Right. But I think that it, uh, just framing it in those terms lets, I think, tells me that there is a line. Uh-huh. And a lot of times it's very clear cut. But I think that people tend to think that there's a that that what a task is has a definition when they think about these things. But I think there are many examples where it's fuzzier than you imagine. Mm. Yeah. And I and it does like when you're saying like like you don't really work the way that I described myself working, mm-hmm. which that tracks with sort of the other thought I had, which is in uh, some of the resources I was looking at, it was saying that, uh, that multi-ta- people who are multitaskers, according to the definitions that the studies provide, yeah. um, they uh, tend to be people who are susceptible to distractions, and that's what leads to a multitasking behavior. Right? I am definitely susceptible <laughs> to distractions. <laughs> I mean, I have a lot of jobs. Yeah. Um, and so I, sometimes I'm working on them all at the same time, and so I'll have like eight different tabs open, which apparently isn't a lot of tabs. <laughs> you and your 30 tab selves. <laughs> hey, don't look at me. I, I just make bookmarks and never go back to them. There you go. That's, that's how you do it. <laughs> this 30 tabs mess. <laughs> but anyways, I'll have eight tabs and I'll be, I'll be slipping between the two or the three. I'm going, oh, I have to edit this calendar. Oh, I better uh, make a tweet for this. Oh, I better blah, blah, blah. Um, and so I'll be flipping between them. And within five minutes, I'll have flipped between them like 30 times. And so yeah. I get lost as to what I'm supposed to be doing. Right, that, right. that feels like multitasking. And it, in those instances, I'm confused and I feel like I'm not getting what I need to get done. And so right, I'll right. recognize that and go, I'm going to get one thing done and focus on that one task. So I'll get that task done and then move on to, move on to the next. Yes. For so sure. that's... Well, I think that's because that suits the way you work. Right. Right. And I think one of the... The when it was the one of the articles I was looking at saying that like science suggests that like it the solution is not to 
prevent yourself from being distracted, yeah. but distract yourself with the right things at the right time. Mm-hmm. So kind of how we were talking about like with the art example or like having different levels of areas of your game moving forward at different paces. Mm-hmm. Like it's all contextual. It's like move to something else when it needs to be moved to, right. I guess. Yeah. Um, I think people like multitasking in itself is just like random tasks, but I, that's not really how it works. I don't think, mm-hmm. but the, 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 the example about like that people, people who are stu- uh, studied as multitaskers are, are sort of proven those people will be more distracted. But I think, well, I, I multitask all the time, and but I also have an addictive personality. Like, I will do the same thing for 12 hours. Mm. Like, I will, I will stay up as long as possible, and I will also sleep as long as possible. <laughs> like, I, like, you've played games with me, and you've hung out with me in the evenings. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm perfectly happy to go forever on whatever I'm doing at the moment. Oh, but I also, am, I also feel like I switch tasks all the time. Mm-hmm. So maybe they just cancel each other out. Like I had something about like a crisis of identity today. Like, wait, am I a multitasker <laughs> or am I? Uh, do I have an addictive personality? Can I have both? Like, <laughs> I don't know. If my dad were here, he'd say that there's no multitasking. It doesn't exist. Right. It's ta- it's uh, task switching. Right. Right. It's, right. We can't act. We don't have two cores. Like, we yeah. Can't yeah. Actually, like, do that. Yeah, yeah. If you're watching TV and reading a comic on your phone or whatever, you're really just doing one or the other at any given time. Yeah, that's what at least that's what my dad says. I don't mm-hmm. necessarily agree with that. I think you can still watch TV and get something out of it and read your comic or whatever at yeah. the same time. Uh, I but, find myself listening to a podcast and reading an article without realizing it, and then I'm like, "Wait a minute, am I, which one am I not paying attention to?" And I'm like, "No, I think I got both of them, sort of." You know what I mean? You okay. definitely don't give it your full attention. Right, to those right. Things. <laughs> uh, it's not ideal. <laughs> yeah, like I when I'm at work, I feel like I need something else while I'm doing work, mm-hmm. so I often have podcasts on while I'm. Mm-hmm. And I find that when it's like super intense, when I have to figure something out, I can't listen to a thing. But yeah. if I'm doing a task that like I know what I'm doing and I just have to write the stuff, then like it's perfect. And mm-hmm. I need that because otherwise I get super bored and then I'll go on right, and right. be yep. totally distracted. Yeah, exactly. Right. You have too many cycles going to waste when you're just doing one of those things. Yeah. So you have, you, you do let the spare ones off to pay attention to something else. Yeah. You know, it's funny you're describing like when it gets, when you really out of focus, then you, you, you turn that off. That's uh, uh, the common example people say is when you're driving somewhere and you need to, uh, when you're getting close to where you're, you need to check the addresses on buildings, you turn the radio down. Just instinctually you do that. It's like, mm. that's like the same attitude, yeah. right? Oh yeah. <laughs> so that's... it kind of, it, it's all contextual, you know? Yeah. It's like if, Something is needs too much of your brain to do. Yeah. Like, if you can make something go on autopilot, then you actually can do two things at once, mm-hmm. listen to something and and make something. Right, like, right. Like, I love to do, like, draw or something while listening to something, too. Yeah. But, yeah, that's really interesting. It's like think par- about. It's pairing tasks together. It's, I mean, it's... You, I. I I think you can be good at it. You just have, there's just the things that are good for it. Right. Yeah. It's like totally contextual. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm really curious with the point and click game you're going to be working on Martha, because that's going to require a, different disciplines, like, wor- like really working together even more than just like writing a dialogue for a cutscene. And so I'm, I'm curious to revisit this with you <laughs> as you get into that. Yeah. I've been doing a lot of thinking about it. Yeah. Um, like on the bus and I've got some design things drawn out and stuff. But yeah, it's, I'll, I'll, it'll be interesting to see what my thoughts are on it, mm-hmm. having my own actual project just for me. Yeah. Well, thanks for the uh, discussion on that. I feel like I, sometimes I feel alone about that because I read all these articles and I, and I, I put a lot of faith in them. I'm not, I don't dismiss them. Yeah. I, but I have to comport it with my own reality. 
right think, yeah i think this gives i'm glad i got a little more context yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it was an interesting discussion because i guess i hadn't considered it but in some cases i do uh multitask and i I guess when I am multitasking in general, I, it, it, it's hard for me to focus on each task. So it doesn't benefit me at all, but it might benefit some. And it seems like it benefits you two quite a bit. Mm-hmm. It might also just be a, a wonderful lie. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> We've been lying to ourselves. All right, guys, that's our show. Our first after GlitchCon. It was invigorating. Oh, yeah. Would you say? Woop, woop. It's, yeah. As you said, it's nice to be back in the clubhouse. Yes. Um, Still need a few hours more rest, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a few, maybe a few dozens of hours more yeah. rest. Yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, if you haven't already, subscribe to Nice Games Club and your favorite podcast app, and be sure to give it a good review if you liked it or are nice like us. We super need to know you're all out there, so leave a review and tell all your friends, too. And hey, uh, find us on Reddit at our game dev. We're going to be posting our show notes there. So uh, if you want to talk about any of the topics you heard in the show today or in past shows, uh, check it out. We'll have the links in the show notes. Uh, we also want to hear directly from you, so follow us on Twitter and all the other things at Nice Games Club. Let us know how we're doing, send us your topics, and ask us your questions. And Stephen, they should really be filling out that feedback yes, form too, should. right? NiceGames.club slash feedback. Yeah, tell us what we're doing wrong. Tell us what you like about the show. Um, tell us what types of shows you like. Yeah. And, and just give us your notes. It's, uh, it, it, the the re- feedback we've gotten from there has been really valuable. Mm-hmm. And so that's why we beg you each week because everyone who fills it out is amazing. And so be amazing <laughs> yes. and fill out that form. Yeah. NiceGames.club slash feedback. Lastly, you can find out more about the show and your nice host as well as get all the links and notes from this and other episodes at NiceGames.club. So until we start again, remember to play nice and make nice. I just killed the vibe. <laughs> Jeez, Martha. <laughs> well, now you have to do the transition to the next topic. That's your punishment. Aw. Okay. Well, you just raised your hand. I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and well. with that, folks. <laughs> What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.